0: Welcome to the playful life podcast. I'm your host, Crystal. Growing up, I struggled with my weight, self-confidence and body image. And like many in my teens, I developed an eating disorder. I battled codependent behavior and it all affected my mental health. As the years went by, I learned and grew in healing. And I found serenity really in empowering others to let go of their pasts and to embrace their own leadership in their health and well-being now it is my mission as a coach author speaker and podcast host to inspire and empower you to live your best most playful life on this podcast you will hear from our guests about their personal struggles and breakthroughs in their health careers and relationships he'll also receive tips knowledge and inspiration to tackle your own health goals and start living the dreams on your heart. Ready? Let's play. Hello, and welcome to The Playful Life. I am so happy that you are here. Today, my guest on the podcast is Tony Marinucci. And Tony is a registered dietitian and owner of Tips with Tony. Tony is also the author of Once Upon a Diet, uh, same title as the TED Talk that she gave, really, really exciting. And in the book, Tony talks about how there are a lot of parallels between dieting, dating, and romantic relationships. And this was such a fascinating conversation we had about that, uh, not only about those things in particular but also just about learning how to notice how food makes you feel rather than how food makes you look and really finding a balance in how food can fuel your life, right? In so many positive ways. I'm so, again, honored that Tony took the time to join me on this podcast, and I know that you will enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hi, Tony. Welcome to the Playful Life.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Of course. I love your pink headphones. Thank you. That
1: is <laughs> <They're> so gigantic.
0: <laughs> like, I love it. Oh my gosh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, why not like do this in style, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, and you're a podcaster as well, right?
1: hmm hmm The Tips of Tony podcast. I was a co-host to a podcast like four years ago or five years ago, I can't keep track. And then I finally did my own a few years ago and it's, it's been really, really great.
0: Nice. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. When I looked at it, I was like, wow, you've got a lot of episodes here. So I can mm-hmm. tell you have been you know, you've been at it been for at a it. while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's great. For sure. That's great. I think people forget that, you know, when we listen to our favorite podcasts, like there's a lot of episodes, backlogs, things that like we probably don't even know ever existed right because like mm-hmm. by the time you know I'm finding this podcast that's super successful like they've been doing like hundreds and hundreds of episodes already yeah. so I, I think like people always forget that there's a
1: lot of work that goes into oh yeah getting to that so place much, so much work but it's cool if you find a podcast you like definitely take the time to listen to those old episodes because they're definitely, it's some, some podcasts are so binge worthy. Like it's so worth just going back and hearing kind of older things. Cause they're good episodes. They're just, you know, a year or so before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. They're
0: like, sort of like the things that no one's heard or, you yeah. know, yeah. Kind of like, yeah. um, when you follow a band and you're like this, like, album yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> so true. So, so oh, I true. love that
0: stuff. All right, Tony. So uh, so let's dive right in. You know, I love to just get sort of a, a feel for, you know, who you are. And like I, I kind of mentioned, right, like finding where my audience can connect with you and your story, I think just like really builds that trust for everything else that we'll talk about today. So um you are a registered dietitian and you have um, yes. your awesome book. I I don't have a physical copy because I'm listening to it on audible uh, right now. I should say, I'll send you one. I'll send you one. I'll, oh, I'll show you. You are my, so sweet. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So once That's upon it. a diet, yes. So um, <clears throat> so good, so good. And I love that it's you reading this book. And I am just I'm like definitely more of an audio type of learner. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, there's an audio version. I was so excited. <laughs> um <laughs> So, so how did you get to this place, Tony? Where, you know, where did it all begin? You know, I know that we have a limited time and you could probably talk about this for four hours, but yeah. um, you know, sort of give us the the cliffs notes, if you will.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a long story, I'll give you the shortest version I can. Um, so I became a registered dietitian. Now eight, it's been eight years since I've been one, and I went to school to become a dietitian because I had this history of trying to lose weight I grew up overweight very insecure I was made fun of for my weight I was told things like if you never lose the weight you'll never get a boyfriend so I tied my weight to my worth very early on and carried that with me throughout most of my teenage years and young adulthood and so I decided to go to school to become a registered dietitian because I wanted to learn how to eat and how to feel my body and honestly if I'm being honest I wanted to know how to lose weight um I because I had tried on my own and like many people, when they first try to lose weight, they do very rigid, restrictive eating patterns and behaviors. They take out lots of different food groups. They eliminate a lot of things. And unfortunately that usually ends up backfiring through overeating or binging. And then you, and then I felt the need personally to overexercise. So trying to get it out and you basically just stay stuck in that cycle. So unfortunately that was like my pattern for many years. And I thought maybe learning how to eat and becoming a dietitian would help me heal that. And so I did eventually after many, many things, (laughs) lots of therapy, lots of changing my relationship with food, um, changing my relationship with my body. And I did finally make peace with food, found balance in my eating habits. And the main thing that I did that I think has made the biggest impact and difference in how I feel about myself and my self-confidence is I stopped looking at how food was going to make me look and instead started focusing on how food made me feel. And that's when I found balance in my eating habits. And that was the game changer for me. And that's why now as a registered dietitian and an owner of a business where we do online nutrition coaching, and I have dietitians who kind of help women go from this place of insecurity, not knowing what to eat, not knowing how to feel their body, struggling to reach their health and wellness goals, and really getting to this place of confidence and knowing what to eat and when to eat and how much and being able to trust their intuition and really, um, the way we really help them do that is we're constantly asking them, like, how does this make you feel? And when we focus on how we want to feel, we genuinely make healthier choices because nourishing foods really does make, do make us feel good at the same time. That doesn't mean we need to negate, you know, also those foods that are sometimes just feel good or it's good for the soul or just like, you know, they, they're delicious, but, um, it's really teaching people how to incorporate all foods, um, no longer demonizing foods and really understanding that all foods can fit at the same time. We need to be honest with ourselves and our goals and get really clear on what, we need for us. So that's what, what I learned to do for myself. And now me and my team help people do that all over the world. Wow. That
0: is incredible. (laughs) And like, thank you for being open and honest, you know, about that personal journey. And and we'll go into that just a little bit here, but um, I love that you focus on like how food makes you feel rather than how it makes you look. I think like ding ding that is like epic you know Mm -hmm. um how many people just I think feel tired and bloated and like just just lethargic Lethargic. and 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 and, like how many people go through life even with their job or relationships right we'll Mm -hmm. talk about that too right without like really looking at how they feel about any of this stuff yeah they just accept it as normal yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just like, well, this is just life. I guess it just sucks and I have to feel like this and um yeah, so oftentimes when I have clients that just start incorporating healthier foods and slowly start eliminating some of those unhealthy foods, right? But finding that balance, it's like then they feel they feel how kind of ucky they felt when they Mm -hmm. were eating all of those kind of bad things all the time. Right. When those Mm -hmm. were the majority of their quote unquote diet or how they, you know, lived, it's like just shifting that I think. Um, And then, like you said, like being aware of how that makes you feel in your body. I just, I just love that. Um, So, so one question that I had for you is such a burning question. And I have to share with you that I too had, you know, a journey with, just body dysmorphia and, um, you know, body image, disordered eating, that sort of thing. And when I went into college, I, pre- I, I was like the opposite. I was like, I don't want to major in like a nutritional or, you know, dietetics or anything like that. Because, um, I was, I was, think, I was so obsessive at that point in my life where I just, I felt like that was going to make it worse. Mm. Um, And I remember um at a point where I think I was maybe like a sophomore or junior in college and I was coming out of it. I'd been in therapy, I was feeling better about you know my body and eating and stuff like that. And I was like, well, maybe I'm it's time, maybe I can sign up for a nutrition course. And I I signed up for the course. I went and bought the book. And I was like, I, when I, when you said that in your book, how you were like day one, I was like, teach me everything. You know, you were ready <laughs> pen and in, pen in hand, you know? Um, that's how I was. I like, I dove into the book. I was like, yes, like, you know, I'm finally going to figure this all out. And like, whoa, I just got so wrapped up in it. Mm. I went to my advisor. I said, you know what? I need to withdraw from this class. Yeah. And I think I even sold the book as used. I was like, I just, I needed to just close the book again. So yeah. tell me, I guess, how that was for you. Like, was there a time where studying nutrition and things like that, like caused some obsessive oh, thoughts or like how, how did you 100%. find that balance? Okay.
1: Oh yeah. No, it was, it was a torture. It was like the worst. It was literally, I, So, and this is the crazy thing, because I lived in a bigger body, I've always been bigger than my peers, just naturally they have more curves, I'm just in in a bigger body. So for me, I, everything I did was praised by society because it looked like I was on this pursuit of trying to change my body and getting healthier. But internally my mind, I knew exactly what I was doing and it was not healthy. It was not healthy mentally and even physically cause it was, there was periods where for I'll give you the short version. If you read my book, you can learn a lot more but there was a point where, okay, the first, like I talk about this, even in my Ted talks you don't even have to read the book to know this part. Like I went to school the first day we learned about vegetarianism and I was like, okay I'm doing this, like I'm gonna be a vegetarian. This is the wh- reason why I haven't lost weight all along. Like this is it. So I become a vegetarian. And then, um, I felt really good. And then, but then I started feeling bloated, but I was like, okay, well, and I was, I lost a little bit of weight, but like not much, my body composition changed, but like it wasn't, it felt like it wasn't enough. Right. So then I was like, all right, let me try. It was lent came around. I'm, I'm Greek Orthodox. And, you know, it's kind of normal that people give things up during Lent. Mm -hmm. Well, the traditional way to practice Lent in the Greek Orthodox tradition is actually going no animal products for the whole 40 days. Whereas like some people in like Catholic, well, well, everyone's different. So this isn't to say this is not about religion. I chose to decide to be vegan for the 40 days. Then when Lent was over, I stayed vegan. Okay. Because, and I was being praised for this, just so you understand, like people were like, Oh my God, you have so much willpower. How do you do it? Meanwhile, I barely had anything to eat. I was bloated all the time. I was so, so tired and I was always hungry. I was always hungry because, like, I wasn't getting enough of like certain. My body just really now I know now like I needed lean proteins because it really helped with my satiety and it was all about balancing. And I was having so much fiber that no wonder why I was so bloated, right? Then <laughs> I was so bloated, so I heard that you know I was studying and I was now going into my graduate degree. I had become a dietary, I had I was. To become a dietitian, so those who who want to know, like to be a registered dietitian, you have to go through a minimum of five years of schooling. You have your four years of undergrad in dietetics, and then your fifth year is a dietetic internship um, where you have to do 1,220 hours of supervised service in all different places where a dietitian would be. It's very similar to like a shortened version of a doctor going to residency. Hmm. So. I did that plus got my master's at the same time. So I just went crazy into, you know, I I knew it, this is what I wanted to do. And so at that point, like there was more and more studies showing that, you know, celiac disease was on the rise, like gluten intolerance or sensitivities, it could cause bloating. So I was like, okay, let me do gluten-free. Let me try that. So now I was a gluten-free vegan. Could you, I had nothing to eat. It was like, <laughs> oh it was like the literal worst thing in my life. And yet here I am being praised for it and trying so badly to be like, Oh no, this is it. This is great. Like uh-huh. I eat so many vegetables, so I must be healthy. Right. Right. But, um, yeah. So long story short, I f- eventually, I, I mean, i decided, okay, I can't do this. Like, this is so restrictive. I was, like I said, I, the bloating even got the bloating got a little bit better, but, um, I just was not doing well. So I slowly started to kind of add, um, I, I called myself a flexitarian. So now I started to add animal protein back in just slowly. And you know, not to say that guys, this is my individual journey. So that's why I shared in the book, this is not how you should do things. But if anything, I would just say, be aware of the red flags prior to, rather than now that was like a four-year journey for me, where it could have been, if I could have been really, I could have figured it out really a lot quicker. Um, But so now I just have a balance of everything. I do, I do keep the gluten out just because I do really have a bad sensitivity. Um, And so I prefer not to have it, but um, all the other stuff I, you know, I've added, I eat, eat animal protein. I, you know, I eat everything. I eat everything other than those foods that don't make me feel well, which gluten really just doesn't feel make me personally make me feel well.
0: Right. That's
1: what you have to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: And going back to what you said earlier, like think about how this makes you feel right Mm
1: -hmm. like I know I was ignoring all of it I was ignoring all of it and the same thing happened like my book is about the parallels between dieting dating and romantic relationships and the same thing was happening in my relationships like I kept like trying to relive because everything's easy in the beginning right that's what we call the honeymoon Mm -hmm. phase like everything Mm -hmm. is so exciting so because it had worked quote unquote at one point I kept trying I was like oh this is it this is it so then when I wasn't feeling well whether it be in my body or in the relationship I was in I just kept trying I kept trying to relive the honeymoon phase and so many people do that right and when it comes to relationships I too was ignoring all the red flags because they were at one moment it was really great so I kept just trying to make it go back to that moment when it was really great but in total it just was not for me. Like it just was not a good fit. And, um, that's when I started to realize the parallels. I was like, Oh wow, there's something more here. Mm. It's not just people do this in their nutrition. Like they're doing, they do it in relationships too, because I know I'm very guilty of it. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: And, and probably career and and different things like that too. But yeah, I love that you bring those parallels together in the book. And I I think this is so fascinating. I've never really heard anybody really talk about that. So Um, yeah, maybe like, let's talk. I think this is a good time to maybe see how like this book came together for you and like how you draw, you drew those parallels between like you're saying, dieting and dating and romantic relationships.
1: Yeah. So uh, before I even wrote the book, I did this, I did a Ted talk in 2020, February, 2020 And I had the idea of the book, but really the mostly was the TED talk. And then when I found out I only had eight minutes to talk, I was like, that's not enough time now I have to write a book. So the original concept was I would watch, you know, women before they joined our program would jump from diet to diet, hoping each one was the the one, you know, like the the one, right? And they basically went around like Cinderella's stepsisters trying to jam their feet into something that clearly wasn't a good fit for them and I realized that I was doing that in my relationship. So eventually I healed my relationship with food in my body, but the relationship aspect, I'm not a relationship expert guys. I, I say that transparently. I'm a, I'm I'm a nutrition expert. I learned my lesson many times, both personally and professionally, like that. I can guarantee you, I will help in that area when it comes to relationships. I'll just make you aware of it because <laughs> that's like my personal journey, but I'm, you know, I'm still, still figuring it out. Um, even though I'm in a good relationship now, it's still, you know, there's, Still the patterns they still come up you know they're all there but all that to say um I, I personally, I dated when I say this in my talk, like I dated five versions of the same guy, just with a different name and a different face. Like I just kept repeating these patterns and behaviors. And I noticed that women were doing that with diets. They jumped from one diet to another diet, hoping it was different, but it's really just the same diet, just in a different book. Like the, the, the premises, the behind all of it, it's all about like, what are we cutting out? Like, what are we restricting? Is it low, low calorie? Is it, you know, cutting out carbs? Is it um, you know, following this rigid meal plan that has nothing to do with what you like, or, you know, it's like totally outside your lifestyle, you know, whatever it is. And so I noticed that with relationships, you know, that's what I was doing. And then I was noticing kind of even clients and friends doing the same thing. Like, just because we live in a society that makes us feel like we need to be in the pursuit of, you know, if you're single for too long, like something's wrong with you, right? If you're mm-hmm. overweight and not actively trying to lose it, something's wrong with you. Like that's, that's what society says, but that doesn't have to be the case. You can be both healthy and happy regardless of the number on the scale and regardless of your relationship status. Ah, oh, amen. I, oh my <laughs> gosh, I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. And
0: how brilliant that you came to that realization and recognized those patterns. Um, yeah. I'm going to look up your Ted talk. I haven't done that yet,
1: ah, uh, but yeah. and
0: I, like, it's well, a good preview. This-
1: yes! I would say like, if you guys are like, I'm not sure if I want to buy, get the book or not, I would watch the Ted talk. And if you love the Ted talk, you'll love the book because it's like that on steroids.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> How cool is that? I think a lot of people think um, they have to do it in an opposite order. Like, well, in order to be uh, eligible to do a Ted talk, I need to have a book. Right, Uh, but you were like, "No, I'm gonna do this thing over here that I really want to do." Like, how did that? How did that come to be? I'm just curious for myself. Like, yeah, the TED Talk journey, like,
1: I mean, I always wanted to do one ever since I got into like entrepreneurial the entrepreneurial spirit or journey that kind of got stuck in me about five years ago. I started like listening to personal development books, and then I started watching TED Talks. And I've always had this vision of being on a stage and speaking and influencing people to change for the better. And I was like, what better place than would be a TED Talk? So it was something that I thought, I was like, oh, that's really cool. I would love to do that one day. And then as I got more into my entrepreneurial journey, I was like, all right, this I have to do. So Um, yeah, I just, I knew I, I knew I wanted to do a talk. And then when I got the opportunity, I was like, that's when I realized one, I only had eight minutes to talk. That's not enough of what everything I want to say. And two, like I had gone to a couple before just to watch and to get ideas and to be inspired. And a lot of the people had books and I didn't have one. And I was Hmm. like, wow, I would love to like, now they watch the talk and like, yeah, they can follow me and like, maybe work with me or us or whatever, but like a book is like such a great tie-in and it just, it's an, a, a more elaborate way of explaining what I said in those eight minutes. Like, I felt like the, the TED talk is like the attention grabber, but then like the book is like the, the, the prize. Like, <laughs> like, you know? yeah. So yeah. So I decided to do it. It wasn't easy, but I'm glad I did it.
0: Awesome. Yes. And, and the book too, I think when I had listened to you talk with Justine uh, Sloan, you know, I did that interview with her as well. And, you know, you had kind of uh, alluded to this, but I would love for you to just share a little bit about that, like the writing journey. And when we're sharing our personal story, there can be a lot of uncomfortable things that come up from our past and things we like, I haven't thought about that in ages. Right. And it's like a healing process, but also like just shining a huge spotlight on certain things too. So What was that like for you?
1: Yeah. So I will tell you that writing a book is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've been, I've done some pretty hard things. Like it is, it was not easy because of what you just said, which is so true. Like I had to revisit very unpleasant moments from my past. It hurt. Even I have people that read the book now that are like, um, like my close friends, they're like, I'm so sorry that I didn't notice this when we were, you know, cause they went to school with me or whatever. Um, and they're like, I'm really sad. But then I'm like, don't worry, keep reading. And then when you keep reading, you feel a lot more empowered and proud and excited and all that. But um, a lot of people were like, I'm, this is just like sad. And then for me, I had a lot of anxiety because I had to tell my story. And a lot of my story started in my childhood. And I spent my summers in Florida with my, with my, um, grandparents and they were second generation, Greek American, well, Greek, Greek and Italian, but I'll just say my grandmother, I called her Yaya and Yaya is that's grandma for Greek. And so, um, I, I had a share that when I would, you know, I would at the age of six, I remember sitting at, you know, eating and her making puffing her cheeks at the at me at the table because if I kept eating she was basically insinuating like I'm gonna gain weight
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know um so like moments like that my dad kind of like glaring like giving me like you know glances when I reached for second helpings um you know getting teased at school like all these things all that to say like talking about the guys who teased me at school like I didn't care but talking about my family member and my grandmother's not even, she's not even alive anymore. And I love her very much. And like, that's not all of her. That's a part of her, but I don't, but that of course, you know, the book is not about her. The book is about my story. And so I could only put in like a little bit of that, but I didn't want it to be like, I'm talking about her in a negative way. Right. Same thing with my dad. And, um, so I had to have that conversation with my parents to let them know like that my, you know, my eye is mentioned in the book. My dad is mentioned in the book and, I had so much anxiety. <laughs> like, I had so much anxiety having that conversation. I had so much anxiety talking. One of my, my cousin, um, she spent the, the summers in Florida with me as well. Um, and I had to like be like, is it okay? I, did, I didn't use her name, but I was like, is it okay if I like talk about this? You know, you almost like technically you don't have to get permission. It's your story, but like you want to, because you don't want people to, you don't want your family members to think like that you're talking bad about them or whatever it is. Um, So all that to say I got in my way so much the book took me two years to write when it definitely didn't have to but I was just so afraid of having that conversation I was so afraid of it being out in the universe and like them reading it and like here I am excited and proud and like ready to share my story but I'm afraid of what they're going to think so all that to say if you guys are feeling this way if there's a book on your heart and you have very similar thought. I mean, I hope it could be different, but I had that conversation finally when like the book was like ready to release and every single one of them was like, no, that did happen. I'm very sorry. And you're right. Like it it wasn't like they were were I was, I was afraid they were going to be like, oh, you're making this up. Like you created this in your mind Mm -hmm. because, you know, we all have different perceptions of how things happen to us and, you know, in our childhood or whatever. And they were just very much, very understanding and very supportive. And so like, I gave myself all this anxiety for no reason. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh.
1: You know, we do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The expectations that we put around Mm -hmm. things. And Mm -hmm. for me, that's a big one. I put a lot of expectations around myself, around interactions with others, you know, how others are going to react to what I'm doing or saying, or, I mean, it's just, so nauseating to live in that world and so I commend you for you know facing that fear of those expectations and just like laying it out there and I mean was that like a was that healing for you and your family to have those talks
1: oh absolutely absolutely it made me feel like I can talk to them about things um it personally made me realize like I avoid hard conversations. So I need to get better at just having them. Cause I probably, the book would have probably been out last year if I would have had that conversation sooner. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so I definitely learned a lot about myself. I also learned that I have this really terrible habit of when things almost, when something's almost done, I almost, I barely finish it, but this time I, I needed it to come out in the world, like, because I made this commitment to myself and to other people and I just, it, it needs to be out there. And so um, I'm glad it is now, but yeah, I, I definitely learned a lot about myself in that process.
0: Yeah, yeah, oh, incredible. I'm so like happy for you. You know, Thank I can you. tell just you talking about it that this was life changing, you know, for you, yeah. and just seem to glow when you talk about it. And um, it's yeah. no small accomplishment to do it either.
1: Um, it's hard writing a right? book is hard. I do it, was not warned, which is a good thing because if I was, I wouldn't have done it. So right. <laughs> Exactly, exactly.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about, um, in your book, you go into sort of like these, I guess they're kind of like myths or things that we believe about where we should be, what our weight should be, what our size should be. Right. You talked a little bit about like the BMI, mm-hmm. the body mass index and mm-hmm. how, you know, according to the BMI, people are overweight. And it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a ridiculous measurement system. So, um, and then uh, I love how we had an interaction on Instagram where you had posted, you know, this thing about vegetables and carbs. and I was like, Oh, you know, like I love substituting cauliflower rice. And you're like, not about substituting it and, you know and I was like oh you know so you were like let's talk about that so um I'd love to talk ab- about all this a little bit sort of like debunking that idea of like we need to fit into this box
1: mm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think we have to just address that we live in a society that it's been portrayed to us since we were children, that we needed to look a certain way, be a certain way in order to be loved and accepted. So whether you are directly told by a friend or a family member or a, a b- bully at school that you needed to lose weight or, or be, or big bigger too. Cause even like if you're too skinny, that's not good. Right. So, and, and, I'm not saying it's not good. Society will tell you it's not good. You know, like if you're whatever, however you look like our bodies, everyone has the natural, like just like a natural body type that, you know, when they take care of it, it's going to be in that body type. Like, So Mm -hmm. for you to try to change it because society tells you you need to, that's going to lead you nowhere good. You are individual. You are unique from, you know, your genetics, from your body type. And then more importantly, from who you are as a person and your characteristic and what's important to you. And so the more we try to fit into this box, the more you're going to feel out of alignment and it's going to be really hard for you to make clear decisions and you're never really going to feel complete or whole. And that's when you're going to continue then to look outside yourself to fix it and to feel whole when really the answer from the beginning has always been sit, let's take a pause. Let me look inside Let me figure out what is it that I want? What is it that I need? And how can I honor that? And that goes from everything from like setting boundaries with friends and family to what do I eat? You know, to when do I do my workouts? What does my sleeps look like? What does my schedule look like? Like there's so many factors that we've kind of just followed the mold. Like most people, we live in a society where you need to look a certain way. You need to dress a certain way. You need to work a nine to five. You need to, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, <laughs> we have to challenge those narratives, you know, just because our parents did a certain way doesn't mean we have to do it in a certain way. And I actually believe that every generation, we have an opportunity to learn and grow and to do things better and smarter because we're just, as you know, we just have noted, you know, not that they did it wrong. just, they didn't have the the life that we had now. So for us to live a life like our parents did, it's just silly. We're in a different century, a different generation. So, um, so that's first things first, like, the reason why we feel this need to be in a fit in a box is because we also too, as humans just want to be loved and accepted. Like at the root of it, that's really all we are truly looking for. But, and we think that we need to fit the mold in order to be that, but really what we need to do is just be ourselves because Mm -hmm. when you're ourselves, you're going to feel in alignment, you're going to feel great. And then you're going to attract the right people who are going to just accept you for you. Right. So I'll give you an example of like, for me, where I really noticed I was struggling in relationships is I would get into these relationships that really were not a good fit for me, but I so desperately just like wanted to be like kind of done with searching and looking and I didn't want to be single anymore. So I I also didn't like really truly believe that. I was really worthy of the love and acceptance because I still had that stuff from my childhood. And I was still kind of, even when I lost the weight, I still carried like it wasn't enough. And so I would stay in relationships longer than I wanted to. And in those relationships, I always would say the things that I felt like my partner wanted to hear. So I was never really speaking true to who I was and what I wanted. I was just constantly, well, how is it going to make them feel like I have, I don't really have control over that. But I was always like kind of afraid. So basically, all that to say, like my past relationships, they weren't even really with me for me because I was never truly who I truly was because I was just always saying and being in a way that I felt they wanted. Um, and then they didn't end up working on the long run because <laughs> it was just a dishonest. Thing from the jump, so all that to say, we we want to be loved and accepted, and we think that the root to that is to change who we are. But really, it's just to know who you are and to grow into that, and to be who you are, and that ultimately is going to just oh god, it's going to give you so much clarity in life and so much such a better outcome.
0: Yes, Amen, Amen. <laughs> yeah, know thyself. Know thyself yes. is uh, yes. huge, and yes. I subscribe to a lot of stoic practices, a lot of stoic philosophies in my life. And, um, when I, you know, coach, I coach from a very stoic point of view, right? So talk about the virtues and like knowing yourself and starting with the inward work, you know, all that. So, um, and yeah, how true that is with relationships. I think, um, like dieting or like body image, a lot of times we look for outside validation that, oh, wow, you look great to like, you know, those compliments and we can get addicted to that sort of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Where, like you were saying how you were a vegan and people were like, wow, how virtuous of you to be a vegan Mm -hmm. and like, wow, look at all this hard work you're doing. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and like, there's like the dopamine hit that we get from people being like, good job, you're doing Uh great, keep going, you know? And, um, I mean, first of all, we forget that we can talk to ourselves like that and we rarely ever do. So looking for outside, you know, influences and validation is such a part of that part of weight loss and health. And, um, I think part of relationships too, we're looking for someone else to like complete those things in our life that are missing or tell us that we're worthy and Mm -hmm. all of those things. So, yeah, I think, and you hit it when you said attracting, you know, you, will attract what you're giving out. So yeah. one of the best ways, if you're single or, or I think looking for, you know, love or just connection with anybody, whether it's romantic or just friendships, I think embodying the person that you want to attract is mm-hmm. such a great place to start. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you have to just know who you want to be before you could ever, you know, attract another person into your life. That's, that's going to sort of match that energy.
1: Yeah. And also too, like you, you, like you said, you get what you attract and also you get what you, what you say that you are looking for. So I think a lot of times, like I just got caught up in the motions of like, oh, there's chemistry. So this relationship, it's going to be a relationship, but I never really clearly defined what it was that I was looking for. I never clearly talked about like what my deal breakers were. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really defined that. So I kind of just got swept up in it. And I think a lot of people are, are kind of do that also too, with their nutrition. It's like, they kind of get wrapped up in a diet because, oh, it's what their friends doing or what they think they should be doing. And they never really question like, oh, you know what, actually, maybe this isn't for me, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. You talk about,
0: uh, the two types of people in your book, the planters and the bouncers. And so, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about that, how you discovered maybe that those two types of people exist.
1: Yeah, so I was writing and I'm like, how do I describe, I know what I am. I'm definitely like, I stick to something for way too long and when it doesn't work, I work harder and try to make it work and stay in relationships or situations much longer than I need to be. So I was like, oh, I am a planter. Like I just plant and I just stay there and I just like never leave. And when things are hard, I'm like, okay, challenge. It's supposed to be hard. Let's work harder. And yeah, so we don't wanna be planters because planters will ignore all the red flags they'll continue to relive that honeymoon phase over and over and over again. Um, but then they, but like the quality of what they're doing really is just not something that they like. It's just, it's not really healthy. It can be toxic. It could just be not, it's not working. It's just clearly not working, but they're really trying to make it work. So we don't want to be a planter. Right. And then at the same time we have bouncers, which bouncers, it's like the second it's anything hard. It's like they bounce. Right. So honestly like in nutrition relationships and lifestyle like there's going to be moments where there there's struggle right that's normal and a relationship or even a nutrition plan it's not the whole honeymoon phase like now it's not always going to be you know rainbows and butterflies like right so there is some work right so what i like to teach people is like through that i realize like okay we need to take a little bit from the bouncers and a little bit from the planters right so when things start to kind of slow down. That doesn't mean they're not working, That maybe we need to shift a little bit. We might not have to give it up, but at the same time, if we've tried all of the things or we keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, well, then we need to like stop doing whatever it is that we're doing or, you know, say, you know, goodbye to that partner, you know, whatever it is. And so we need to take a little bit from the bouncers and a little bit from the planters. And that's what I've, I realized that most people that I work with, that we work with. Um, Actually, no, yeah, there's a little bit of both. I would say I resonate most with a planter, but we've worked with people who are either both planters and bouncers. And it's really just helping them to see when shifts are necessary. <laughs> yes, <laughs> make those shifts. Yeah. yes, yes. And again, going back, like, just figure
0: out who you are or which one you tend to be, right? Because mm-hmm. I think when I was reading or, or listening to you talk about that in your book, I was saying like, hmm, I think over here in this, part of my life. I'm definitely a planter, but mm-hmm. there's definitely been times where I'm like a bounce, you know, yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sort of like, and, and maybe even like in my nutrition, I early on was definitely a bouncer. I was like, mm-hmm. this is great. This is working great. And then the, like, the second it wasn't, I was like, well, that's obviously not the answer. It needs like, to be this over here, or this over right. there, like, right. where's the shiny new object sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I am <laughs> learning to love my sort of multitasking, multi-interested side of myself and see it more as a, a good thing than like a hindrance. Cause I think for years I was like, well, I just, I just love so many things. And I'm interested in so many things. And like, what do they call a jack of all trades, but master of none. Right.
1: Mm.
0: And I always thought that that was such a negative thing to be mm. interested in all of these things. And, you know, people even in my life, I think would be like, Crystal, you just do so much. You do so much. How do you do all these things? And I think even that was like gratifying and valid validation of like, mm. yeah, look at me, look at all these plates I can spin in the air and all these things I can juggle. But I really wasn't moving forward with any of them. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn like, where, where do I plant and what should I give my full attention to, but also like keeping that element of bouncing and saying like, it's okay to still bounce around and enjoy these different things.
1: Absolutely. And that's what, what I call, and I talk about it in the book, that's experimenting. You know i think so None of them are good or bad it's always about what's your mindset behind it right so with bouncers in the context of the book it's like they want something long-term and sustainable but they're approaching it as if it's like a fling so it's like how are you gonna create something long-term and sustainable and be disappointed when it doesn't last past like when things go a little bit south because that's just relationship like a relationship or nutrition or anything it's it's figuring out when things aren't perfect that's, that's the true, that's like where you get true love. That's where you get like the true kind of like, okay, this is going to work in the long run because it's not always going to be perfect. The conditions are not always going to be perfect for you. So it's like, how do you handle it when it's not right? And that's, that's where it can be. um, That's why like, it's fine to be a bouncer. If you have this mindset of like, Oh, it's experimenting. I'm trying to figure out what I want. Like, you know, I'm just kind of picking up the pieces, but if it's more so like, Oh, well, this, this isn't, this is like the, this is the first terrible, like this is something it's not even terrible. It's just like not that great. So I'm just going to bounce. Like that's mm-hmm. where it's a little bit different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yes, exactly. And seeing that come up in my entrepreneurial endeavors being like, well, I tried that for a while, like that didn't work. I'm gonna try this thing over here and then this thing over here. And um and and then being in a a job or like a nine to five, thinking like, well, I gotta, I gotta plant my roots here because if I work really, really hard and get successful at this, like then I'll be able to live this dream over here that I really want. And yeah, geez. I, I mean, yeah. So like I just really from that point of view, just really caught on to what you were saying and I'm like oh man like this is definitely like just again looking inward like knowing myself better and being like whoa this yeah I've been doing these things for
1: a long time. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad it brought that up for you and made you kind of look in because that's the whole purpose of why I wrote this book. Like, I just want to make people more self-aware and to notice the patterns because we all have patterns. Even like I was saying earlier, like even in my current relationship, after all of the things that we've learned and everything, like we still have things that come up that are noticing are a pattern, but it's it's at least we're noticing it now, right? So we can communicate and we can talk about it versus just expecting things to change and like maybe not even noticing the patterns. Right. And then just being upset and disappointed when things don't work out, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that you are feeling that, you know, a healthy relationship in your life. And I think that's because you are so aligned with what your career path is and what your passion is in life. And like, you're aligned with it. You're doing it. All your energy is going into that. And so it's, it seems to me, I guess, from an out, outside perspective to say like, yeah, that makes sense that now you're able to have a good relationship with someone else because you know yourself so well
1: that, and I started using my voice. Because in the past, like I said, I wasn't really speaking my truth. I was worried about what they were going to think. And now I've I've just speak my truth. And now it's like their response is a real response. And then now I know like with my partner, like it's okay if he doesn't disagree with me, but we are at least he's open to having a conversation about it. You know what I mean? Whereas like in the past, when I started finally speaking up and speaking my voice and speaking my truth. The response and the reaction was exactly what I was trying to avoid. But if I had spoken up sooner, then that relationship wouldn't have lasted so long because I had a feeling that they weren't going to understand or agree, or, you know, you know, it was always like my way or no way, you know? So that's where it's important for you to find your voice, um, for anybody here listening. And I went to lots of therapy. i worked with many coaches, like it's so worth it. It's journaling, meditation, anything you can do to kind of just going for nature walks with ever sounds like it's for you create some solitude try to get into a routine of like every day if you can for just five minutes it sounds like so small but it's so powerful it will really really change the game for you and that's where you know journaling meditation all that stuff is really great because it can help you connect with you but i also believe in the power of talking with somebody outside of you but someone you can trust Right. So we are talking about going inward, but it's someone you can trust, like a therapist or a coach who can just, they're, what they're doing is just bringing it out of you. Cause maybe you're not sure how to do that. Then I think that can help facilitate the process.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have always loved coaches being coached, you know, and, and even like I was a fitness trainer for a long time, but I, I love saying this example, like I hated going to the gym And like being like, well, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I guess I'll go on the elliptical for a while and then maybe I'll do weights over there. Like I am much, I would much rather like follow a workout video or something, right? Like tell me Me what to do. Tell me what to do a (laughs) hundred
1: percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, with workout workouts, that works like that's fine because, you know, the idea is just to get your body moving and to get the endorphins up. And I I believe in exercise, although it's incredible for your health. I tell people to do it for their mental health because Mm. like it's just everything will fall into place when you just get in the habit of moving your body regularly. But it's funny because with nutrition, so many people are like, just tell me what to do, but they don't Mm. actually want to be told what to do because we are so unique and individual and we want to make our own choices. So as much as, you know, I would love to just tell you what to do. And I give some examples in the book of some foundational things you can start with. Really, you have to be taught. You have to understand kind of, you know, why dietitians will recommend this or that, you know, why we want you to eat more, you know, a balance of nutrients. Like when you understand the education behind it and you're actually taught, that's how you're actually going to be consistent and follow through. But if you keep just following plans that are just like done for you programs, Mm -hmm. it's going to be, unfortunately, you're going to consistently just stay stuck in that cycle.
0: Yes. Yes. So true. I had, a similar conversation with my small, small group last night, and we were talking about uh, like affirmations and how to build those habits, right. Journaling and uh, watching like mind movies and, you know, all these things. And, and, and there was this real sense of like, well, I kind of want to try all these things and I'm not quite sure which one's right for me. And, and I, we had just sort of this epiphany like it's a practice, Mm -hmm. right? Like nutrition is a practice. Exercise is a practice. Journaling, gratitude, affirmations, mindset, all that thing, all those things are a practice. And like, I, you know, I don't know if people do yoga or anything like that, but I think with anything, um, say you go to a yoga class, you call it a yoga practice, right? And like, When you go to that class, you're probably not doing the same routine every single time you go. Like, it's different. You may flow from this move to that move or whatever. So it changes. But it's always sort of the same intention behind it, that you're moving your body, that you're trying to get better at it, that you're learning, like you're saying, right? Learning, how does my body move? Is my hip tight over here? Am I more flexible over there? How do I breathe? Right? Like all those things are part of it. And thinking that we have to like, I got to wake up, I got to do the same thing every day. Like, it's just like most people, it's just unattainable. I think when we have to think about things so Regimented. And like you're saying, like, you know, if something's just like, well, eat this, then eat that, then do that, then move this way. It's like,
1: you'll burn out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Eventually. Yeah. Definitely. I think, but people think they're looking for is like some sort of like, well, they they don't even mean to, but they're looking for structure. But what ends up happening is they fall into restriction and the rigidity, but really you just need some structure. So it's, it's, it's helping people kind of find the balance within that all or nothing mindset. And it's so powerful in all aspects, even outside of nutrition and fitness, but, you know, business and relationships, it, it really is all about like How do I make it work in the middle? Because that's ultimately, if you want something long-term and sustainable, you're going to have to be consistent. And it's really hard to be consistent at hundred percent. And if you're at zero percent, you're not getting much accomplished. So you're not being consistent, (laughs) right? So it's like, how do we found the middle so that we can show up and want to do this every day? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I love this so much. I, I just, I love when I can meet a person somewhere across the United States, the world, whatever. And we just go like, Oh my God, we just get it. Like you just, I feel like we've clicked and we've had like such a good conversation here. And it's, it's so promising to me, you know, to see people like you out there in the world, doing this kind of work, empowering people to learn about themselves, get coached, you know, all those things. So Tony, where can people find you?
1: Oh, ah, they can find me on Instagram. The most place that's where I hang out the most. i um, at tips underscore with underscore Tony with an I you can also go to my website tips of Tony.com I have a really fun Disney princess eating archetype quiz that you might want to take it's like in parallels with once upon a diet the whole like fairy tale idea oh, yes. um okay. and it's just like a really great way to understand kind of why you eat the way you do and I'll give you some tips and guidance to help heal that so you can find that at tips of Tony.com and the book you can find on Amazon there's paperback Kindle and audio available all on Amazon And yeah, that's how you can stay in touch with me. Message me. I am always in my DMS. I am happy to answer any questions you have.
0: Ah, perfect. Thank you so much. And for those listening or driving, like I will link all of that in the show notes. So you can just click right to where you can find Tony. And uh, I honor you so much for being here today, for taking this time, being so open you know, vulnerable, honest, all those things and, and sharing with my audience. So, uh, just, I bless you on your journey and just wish much more success coming your way for sure. Thank
1: you so much. Absolutely. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. If someone you love would benefit from this message, please, please share this podcast with them. And if you want more out of your life, not just surviving every day, but you wanna truly thrive, visit me at crystallizedhealthadvisors.com or on Facebook to schedule your free dream strategy call with me today. Do not hesitate any longer. Life is short and I want you to truly live the playful life. I will see you next time, and as always, stay playful.